I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. If a massive flood, earthquake, or severe weather event impacted your town tomorrow, would you and your family be ready? What about your pocketbook? A recent survey by the Federal Reserve shows that nearly 50% of Americans would not have enough money to cover a $400 emergency expense. If you lost everything, consider the cost to temporarily house, clothe, and feed your family for up to a week. Could you do it? Disaster financial preparedness and general financial security can be pretty overwhelming for people, and most people aren't sure how to start or what they need to consider. That's part of the reason FEMA recently signed a memorandum of agreement with the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education, the AFCPE. FEMA and the AFCPE are working together with experts to identify the factors that shape financial capability and help Americans understand healthy, realistic money considerations to be ready in the event of an emergency. Today on the podcast, we talk to Rebecca Wiggins, Executive Director of the AFCPE, to better understand FEMA's partnership with her organization and how it will benefit the nation when it comes to being financially prepared for the unexpected. Rebecca Wiggins, you're the Executive Director for the AFCPE. Um, That is the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, before we get started about the agreement that the new agreement that FEMA and the AFCPE uh, have just signed, uh, which is an, a memorandum of agreement that uh, allows the two organizations to work together, and in this case, towards you know the goal of financial preparedness. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education does. Sure. So we've been around for 35 years. We're a national nonprofit association that certifies and supports the profession. So anyone who is passionate about helping people with their money, it can be through financial counseling, financial coaching, financial education. We are that national association, that sort of family for those professionals. Um, And so we actually, we have a membership and we have a certification. We have an annual conference, research journals and publications, all of those kinds of typical trade association things. Um, And then we are probably best known for our accredited financial counseling designation. So that um, accredited financial uh, counseling designation, um, are those typically like accountants or financial planners, those type of people? Or No, they're really more on the counseling and education side. So preparing people for a financial planner is the best way to look at it. Okay, so how does the AFCPE serve um, the personal finance profession and, and how does it provide support, you know, uh, for people who are thinking about getting their finances organized, how do those counselors do that? Sure. So they are, what our belief is really around setting really high standards for the profession of financial counseling and coaching. We know that financial planners have licenses and have to be held to a really high standard. And so that's really our mission is to ensure that same level of professionalism for financial counselors and educators and coaches. Um, and so they are trained through a very rigorous comprehensive program. They The program is actually nationally accredited. So the same NCCA also accredits the CFP program. So very similar structure, just different content. Um, and it's very focused on everything from 
you know, financial counseling, debt management, financial basics and financial management, saving, investing, a little bit about insurance, estate planning, and retirement from that education lens so that the professional really can, can take that client and meet them where they are, and it's not a prescriptive approach. So they will they will be able to really look at what the client's goals and needs are, and then look at that entire financial life cycle to be able to help guide them a little bit better. So FEMA has been you know actively engaged in the last uh, well since we released our our new strategic plan in the idea of financial preparedness, and this is it's relatively new for the agency, uh, but I think it's really important when we look at the holistic lifespan of being prepared for disasters, um, it's not just about getting a kit and being sort of getting the the physical things that you need to get prepared um, around your house. It's also about being financially secure to weather those storms, uh, no pun intended. But um, so this collaboration between FEMA and the AFCPE um, has a couple of goals that they want to achieve. It's about uh, developing products and education towards becoming financially prepared for disasters. What are some of the goals that you have for this relationship? Sure. So I think at the outset, you're right, there's there's a training component to it to some of our financial counselors actually are really well versed and sort of experts in this disaster space. And so they already are working in that area with clients. Um, but a lot of folks will need a little bit more of that content. So that's one of the things that FEMA is going to bring to our professionals in terms of training our financial counselors to make sure that they're ready to really deploy in the case of a disaster and really have some of that additional focus training. Um, and then that's really the goal is to be able to get our AFCs to be helpful in that time of need and be able to you know deploy into areas where someone might really need to sit down with a financial counselor and figure out in the midst of all of this chaos and stress what do I need to do to get you know my finances back in order? Who do I need to contact? All of those sort of initial steps that you're going to need to take. So that's one of the biggest goals is really just building out a network of people that can be helpful. Um, one of the longer term goals I think that we're talking about is actually building out a program together around disaster financial preparedness, much like some of the other trainings that we offer as well for professional development. Okay, so that's interesting. So you're you're actually thinking about uh, this potentially being sort of an active um, assistance group after a disaster. Absolutely, yeah. In that case, would after you um, develop sort of that curriculum that is more focused on. I guess, post-disaster, or is it pre-disaster and post-disaster? Pre and post, because I think that preparation for would be really useful. But obviously, there's times where, you know, the disaster strikes and you still need that kind of, what do you do in, the, in those initial moments and hours and days? So it'll be a little bit of both. Um, okay, so so tell me a little bit about the difference between a, fi- a, a certified financial counselor and a financial planner. Sure. So... This is a really common misconception, so I'm glad you asked the question. A financial counselor is really focused on financial education from a counseling lens or coaching because we have people who sort of do a couple different techniques. Counseling is going to go a little bit into the underlying issues of money management. So there's emotional ties to money. I mean, if you think about your life, you have life goals and then those things are tied to money. They have some sort of dollar amount to them, whether that's the way you want to retire or, you know, traveling the world or sending your kids to college or whatever. There's, there's a life goal. There's something attached to that that's emotional. um, And then it has a financial implication. And so 
on the flip side, when things are sort of going awry or there might be some dysfunction in the money management, there oftentimes are some underlying emotional issues or baggage or different things that you brought from the way that you, you know, grew up around money. And so counselors are trained to be able to go underneath what's maybe on that balance sheet and can look at what are some of the habits or trends that they're seeing and what maybe is, what are those underlying emotional issues? So that's one thing. Um, and not to say that that sometimes financial planners can do that as well, but our program really focuses on the basics, on getting people out of crisis around whether it's debt or um, credit issues and you know anything related to money problems really. And so they're helping them establish good financial habits but it's also about helping people understand because I think you know most of us were not trained around financial um, education in school. And that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other issue about why that should be a core concept in, in most schools or, or all schools around the country. Um, but there's also a shame that comes with you know being an adult and maybe not understanding some of the differences between um, different investment vehicles, for instance, or how much money should I be saving for retirement? And so there's a little bit of um, maybe a lack of wanting to ask for help. And that's really what our professionals do is help people. It's, it's not about shame, it's about understanding what your particular situation is and then being able to get yourself onto a path that meets those life goals that you had. And when you're at a point where you're out of crisis and you can really start saving and then looking at investing, that's when you would refer to a financial planner who really understands all of the intricacies of investing money. Um, So what do you think are the biggest limiting factors there uh, as to why people aren't um, sort of financially organized? And I guess... Part of that is also being financially prepared for disasters. You know, you could have money set aside for the potential of a disaster, but also just being organized in your own finances is at least one step towards that preparedness, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some of the, the factors that um, people have that cause them not to get to that point? I think a lot of people are just overwhelmed. I think we have so many things on our plate. We have, um, you're, I think there's also a, a, an issue of, I have to get through today, so tomorrow is a little bit of a luxury to think about. Whether that's saving for retirement or trying to get your financial house in order for, if, you know, to prepare for a disaster, it also is maybe not as likely in your mind that a disaster is going to strike, depending on where you live or if you've experienced a disaster before. So, I think there's almost a psychological, you know, kind of we've been conditioned to live for today. We also have a ton of marketing messages about what we need to spend and what we need to get through. Our, but there's a lot of people who are struggling just to get through today. So to think about, you know, I have all of these burdens on my plate. Um, so to think about doing something else to prepare just really seems like a lofty goal. And it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just difficult for people to think about doing that at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, cu- I'm kind of curious, how would a financial counselor approach a person who, you know, is sort of looking at this messaging saying, yeah, you know, I probably do need to get things in- organized in terms of finances, maybe not because they're thinking about disasters, or maybe they are thinking about disasters. Um, but, you know, how do you approach, how does a financial counselor approach a person and say, well, you really do need to get these things organized um, when in 
as they are thinking about themselves, they're sort of thinking, how can I prepare for an emergency when it seems like every day is an emergency for me, financially speaking? Mm -hmm. How does a counselor approach that? I think the biggest thing is listening to the client first and under, kind of going back to that meeting people where they are. So there's there's a big difference between the way that we train our professionals and the the goal with that being that it's really understanding the client first um, so that it's not a prescriptive approach. It's not, you know, you have to fit into all these boxes and all this all, all of these steps in order to be successful, but taking the time to understand what are those stresses in that individual's life, what are their goals. And then I think it's about what are this the tiny little steps you could take. So helping that client to understand this seems like, you know, this is going to take a lot of time to get everything in order and to get all of our paperwork. And some of that can just be overwhelming for people. But what is just one tiny thing you could do. And so even just breaking it down from there, it I think it, it helps people to take those steps and move forward. It doesn't seem unlike um, taking steps towards getting healthy, now, you know, just physically. Yeah, I often actually equate it to that because it really, a lot of times you, you know what you need to do. Um, sometimes you do need someone to help you organize what you know. But that's really what this is about. Number one, we weren't taught this in schools. So we have to, you know, there has to be somebody out there who can, who's really highly trained who can help people with this when in need. But a lot of this is stuff we know. It's just difficult to manage doing that when you've got all these other stressors in your life. So you're absolutely right. It's it's like a nutritionist mm. or, you know, your personal trainer at the gym. You sometimes just need to see them to get to get that time to focus on that and not sort of, you know, let everything else muddy up the waters. Well, and if I can take that analogy just a little bit farther, it's almost like, you know, if I uh, have a relatively sedentary lifestyle, I want to start working out, I get that personal trainer, that nutritionist to get me going, and then all of a sudden I might have a goal of, say, running a marathon, and then I get maybe a marathon coach. That might be the equivalent of like a financial planner's long-term goals. Yeah, that's, goals. A, that's a great way to say that. I love it. Um, so... <laughs> In 2018, there was uh, a study released by the Federal Reserve that said that um, most Americans uh, said that they would not have enough money to cover a $400 emergency expense. Um, Does that number surprise you? It doesn't because I read the same study, but also because that's, that's the work that we do and why it's so important that people know that there are qualified financial counselors out there to help them. I think people are just really, like we were talking about, they have so many other things that are on their plate and it's very difficult and seems like a luxury for people to even think about saving when you're trying to manage all kinds of other things, sometimes even managing, you know, helping other family members in distress and things like that that can also, you know, derail what your best efforts might be. Yeah, and going along with that, so April is Financial Capability Month and, um, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to just be reminded that they maybe start thinking about um, becoming more financially uh, organized and prepared. So how can this time frame, uh, April, be used to sort of communicate a call to action about financial preparedness? I think it's a great time. I mean, it's obviously tax time as well. And so you're you're maybe or hopefully already in that space of trying to collect some things to get prepared for that. And so if you can build off of what that prep is and, you know, we have a whole slew of professionals who are willing to help with people's financial 
education and, and counseling. And so I think it's a great time to sort of, you know, get organized and then take those baby steps. You know, it could just be looking at what your spending is and start building out a realistic spending plan, something that you're actually going to be able to stick to and it's not so restrictive that you can't ever go out to lunch or you can't do those things that you know are going to creep up and then sort of derail, just like we were talking about with, you know, nutrition. Sometimes people just throw the whole diet away because that one day that they ate cake, you know, it's sort of the same mentality. It's about how to, how to create those incremental changes in your life. And so it could just be looking at your spending, getting some things organized, trying to put together a plan. It's not going to be perfect. It's something you're always going to have to come back to and keep changing and tweaking. Um, but even just starting with what are my goals? What are my life goals? Start there. What, what do I want my life to look like in a year? Um, or what would be a day where I feel a little bit of that relief where I could take a, a take a deep breath and not feel so under the gun with my, my, finance, my finances? And so if you could look at that, um, and start building out what your goals are and then maybe start getting some things organized. But you always know that you have professionals too that can help you along the way or help you even create some of those steps as well. As I was looking at your organization, um, there was a couple of themes that you talked about um, in some of your past um, um, speeches and 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 other podcasts or um, YouTube videos that are out there to help people. Um, one of the things you talked about is a continuum of care that your organization speaks to. Can you tell me about that? Sure. So the organization really is this umbrella for anyone, as I said earlier, anyone who's passionate about helping people with their money. And that can be, we, we define the continuum of care as financial educators, financial counselors, financial coaches, financial planners, and now there's a newer field um, or a newer part of the field called financial therapy. And so it's not, you know, we talked about this actually at our symposium. It's not one goes to the next, goes to the next. It's not a linear approach. It's really about building a an integrative and cohesive part of the field so that you can move back and forth as things change in your life. It's a, it's a fluid model. Um, but the idea is that no matter what your approach is, and everybody kind of looks at it from a different lens. So the financial educator is really that person who might be holding that housing workshop or someone who's teaching a class, so typical education kind of lens. The counselor we talked about, they're going to be more one-on-one, -on -one, but they're going a little bit underneath from the what you would consider a counseling approach and really under underlying issues. Coaching is really mu even more than the counselor, client-driven. You're going to start where the client wants to start and go where the client wants to go, and it's much more like that um, personal training model. You're there to help, but that person's doing Doing the work. They're coming up with the solutions and you're really just holding that accountability. Planning, of course, is going to be much more in um, similar or mirroring that financial, the fi financial counselor, but going into the investing and really helping people with that long-term view of their financial life. And then therapy is a little bit more into the mental health space. So that's, you know, that goes a little bit even more, but they're from, they're really from that financial planner base. And so all of them, there's some crossover, there's some um, areas where they're going to need each other to refer back and forth. What's interesting about AFCPE is we have people that are really from all of those specialties. So we bring the continuum of care together within the organization, which is really unique. Um, but the, what we're trying to do is really say that 
no matter what, no matter where you are in that continuum and, and what your area of focus is, it's really important that you have high quality training and certification so that everybody, no matter where you are in your financial life, has access to the highest level of professionalism. It's not enough to just say that's just for people with wealth. We want to make sure everybody has access to really highly trained individuals across the board. You know, I'm guessing that uh, generally speaking, um, people probably don't pursue financial help for a number of reasons. Um, I'm guessing, you know, one might be that uh, maybe they're embarrassed about their financial situation. Maybe maybe some people think, well, my husband and I both uh, work and we're getting along and everything's fine. And it seems like everybody around me is sort of doing the same thing. I, maybe I, it's not for me. You know, financial assistance really isn't, I don't need that. Um, what do you say to people who um, either find themselves in a rut or maybe just aren't prepared for, uh, for an emergency? Uh, how do you communicate to them the need for some sort of financial counseling? I think, first of all, it's about level setting that shame meter that, you know, that's, I think it's on a lot of people's plates to do. It's on the to-do list, but it's like, I don't have time for that right now. And there's work that goes into actually getting it done. It's much like diet and exercise. I know I'm going to have to start meal planning. I know I'm going to have to get organized around some of this stuff. And it takes work to even just get started doing the plan. So I think that can be difficult for folks, but I, I think that you have to look at go back to your goals and think about what your life could be and the stressors that would be taken off your plate from that day-to-day -day perspective once you have a plan that really works for you. And also understanding that everybody's situation is very different. So sometimes we only see what people you know, put out there, especially with social media. And so it's also really easy to compare yourself to other people, um, positively and negatively, actually, to even say like, well, I'm not so bad. I'm better than the person down the road who's, you know, making all of these really poor financial decisions or whatever. Um, and I think that's important too, is just to take that step back and look at what your goals are and then look at it from the perspective of what could my life be like? And and hopefully taking some of that stress off so that you're really living your best life and you're not sort of clouded by all of these unnecessary stressors that you could potentially take care of with some of this work. Having worked in uh, disaster response, many survivors are surprised at the immediate costs that, um, in, are, that are involved in disasters. Uh, and that's just from if I have to evacuate and I need to go somewhere, and maybe I have to travel some distance to uh, a friend or relative's house, but I have to stay in a hotel. That costs money. Right. Um, if maybe my home was damaged, and even if I had insurance, there's a cost in that first week or so that insurance is not covering it. You're out of pocket for a number of right. that, uh, for some amount of money. Um, is that an issue that some of your counselors have encountered? And how do they work with individuals to start thinking about that immediate need that they don't even consider, or they think that they're covered because they have things like, they have tools like insurance, but they need to consider those things. 
Yeah, it's a really great point, actually, because I think a lot of times we talk about the goals, like, you know, save for retirement and what that looks like and how much money you need to be putting away for that and or the or emergency fund. Yeah, six months of expenses. I right. Think and, and sometimes, number one, that seems so overwhelming to people. Again, it's like, well, forget it. I'm just not even going to worry about that instead of trying to save something, even if it's not the full six months, just get that going. Um, but I think we're you're right. We lose a little bit of the actual on the ground implications, even once you do prepare and have that insurance set up or you have, you know, you're, you're trying to put some money away for retirement. So what does it actually look like in those initial days where you actually have to have some money on hand? And I do think that's a struggle, especially if you go back to that statistic of people not having um, the $400 available. So I think that really speaks to the need for the counselors and educators to, to, you know, I, I think it speaks to the need to have access to financial counselors and educators before the disaster strikes so that that's something you can talk about with your clients and making sure that, yes, you're supposed to be putting this much away for an emergency fund, but let's talk about what do you actually need on hand just in case of a disaster. Um, maybe not the car repair and losing your job and all of those other things. That's great. We need to work on. We need to work towards saving for that three to six months. But what is it going to look like in those initial days if a disaster strikes? And so it's almost having like different tiers of savings so that you're not left out in the cold in some you know type of situation where you you've got to get that hotel room or you've got to have you know travel. Um, money to get to where you're going in that type of incident. So we're in April, which uh, which again is Financial Capabilities Month. We have this new uh, memorandum of agreement between FEMA and the AFCPE, which I think will lead to um, some great collaborative approaches to solving the problem of financial preparedness. What do you think the significance of a, fi- a country that is financially prepared would lead to You know, down the road? It's such a great question and really important. And actually, it underscores why I do this work, um, because I believe very strongly that economic security is what will create a more equitable country. Um, When you think about some of the problems, even getting into the stressors and mental health crisis and things like that, money is a big part of that. Um, It's a big part of divorce. It's a big part of suicide. So you can, you know, go down many different roads with why, what this would do to actually help um, enhance our country. But I think having people, it's, it's such a stress when you don't have money or you're struggling with money. And I think that would help alleviate so much worry and stress for Americans. And then it boosts your economy because these are people that can then, you know, save and spend and be active participants in our country in a way that when you're struggling financially, you just cannot. So there's so many implications. And I think it's that's what speaks to the importance of this work and what our professionals do every day. Um, so how can uh, people who are interested in uh, maybe taking that first step during the month of April, um, how can they learn more about finding a, a financial uh, counselor? Sure. So you can always go to our website, afcpe.org, and then there's actually a link from the website to find an AFC, and you can look and search for somebody in your area. They can also reach out to the to the association. So we're here to help support and connect people. If you're looking for someone in particular, if you have a particular issue that you're looking for someone with that specialty, we can help connect you as well. We've linked to this episode on our FEMA Facebook page, and we invite you to join the conversation in the comments. 
If you have ideas for a future topic, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you would like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast. <laughs>